Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Osimo's NBA Strategy Show here for the beginning of a brand new week. It is Monday, January 4th. That's right. A new year, new week, and uh, same old NBA if you happen to be up late watching that duel between Steph Curry dropping 62 on Dame Lillard and the Blazers. It was a ton of fun, although I think the really lesser thing that is being talked about from that game is the fact that Ennis Panter went for 24 and 12. But even still... Heck of a game for Curry with Klay Thompson, obviously cheering him on from afar. A couple members of the 60-point club. We got a lot to cover in the next little while. Looking ahead to uh, tonight's nine-game slate. So join us. Jump into YouTube chat, most especially. I would say be with us in the Osmo Premium NBA Slack channel as well. But we are, and it's contributed to our delay here this morning. Normally, we would start about 10, 15 minutes ago having some Slack issues. But hey. Technology 2020 was a dud. 2021 is off to a rocky start. Greg Ehrenberg is here with me. How are you, buddy? Uh, yeah, well, it, it would be cool if we had Slack chat because, you know, we're going this morning. It's like, can, it, can we get the link to the show? What's what's going on? It was like, is Kaufman not going to show? Kaufman's first day of work, first day doing the strategy shows. Where is he? And then we realized we're just sending, uh, we're sending Slack messages into the void because nobody could see them. Uh, but yeah, very excited what, what to be doing it. Are you guys saying you want my phone number at this point? Is that a more efficient way of reading? I, wa- I want you to follow me on Twitter, Kaufman. That's really what uh, I want. Follow me on Twitter. Damn it. It was always something. <laughs> yeah, give us all a follow on Twitter. Follow Greg, follow me, follow Awesome Almost especially, and uh, all the great content that is available to you. If you are here with us on YouTube, by the way, you know, people nice and patient. I see we've already got up over you know, 50 likes, but we need to do a lot better than that. So smash that like button, hit the subscribe button here on the Awesome YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, we appreciate your support. We'll probably call for that a couple dozen more times over the next 45 minutes or an hour, however long we're hanging out. But how are you feeling about uh, tonight's NBA slate? And if you want to, you know, any lingering thoughts from last night? Because it was a pretty wild day. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we can get right into this. And it, the slate for tonight, it's hard to really make a lot of it as of now, just because we have so many key injuries. I mean, we, we have James Harden is questionable. Luka Doncic is questionable. Both of them missed their last games. That was key for last night's slate is that Luka ended up not playing, opened up a ton of value uh, with, with Jalen Brunson going off at nearly minimum price. So it's it's going to be hard to really know what lineups are going to look like and what the best players are going to look like at this time in the morning. So I think what we're really going to have to focus on is these guys, their injuries, and then if they play, what do we make them? If they're out, who are the value plays? Because uh, it's going to have a massive impact on the slate and how we go about building lineups. And just to pick up on where you mentioned the uh, Luca being questionable, I mean, that was something that I think caught a lot of people off guard last night and quickly became kind of a, a guessing game, at least going into it. I know I was in this position when it came to lineup building. It's okay, do you want Brunson or do you want Burke and you know similarly priced within a hundred bucks of each other both especially if you look at the uh, all the great Osmo tools in terms of uh, fantasy projections and value and who's the better play and all that I mean these are two guys that were expected to be seven eight nine x value it you know with the uh, three effectively three thousand thirty two thirty three thirty four hundred dollar price tag 
but it was a function of uh, of choosing the right way and, you know, kind of waiting, 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 who's going to start. Turns out being Brunson, he goes for like 50 fantasy points. Is it a similar environment here again? If, you know, if let's say Luca doesn't play, do you, are you just quickly locking in Brunson or more often than not in these situations? Are you just waiting to find out who is going to start and who's going to have the most availability? All right. So as of yesterday, when Luke was first ruled out, we didn't know. Well, at first we, he was questionable. So going into lock, we didn't even right. know for, for sure. But then afterwards, it was kind of a guessing game as to who would start. But then when we finally got the starting lineup and Jalen Brunson was starting, it became more clear that he was going to be the best play there. And now looking at, at tonight's rotations and how I would project it if Luca was to be out, I would assume this. I would assume the same rotations as last night. So you were comparing Brunson to Trey Burke, which I think is fair and in going into the game we maybe weren't totally sure how the minutes would shake out. Brunson ended up playing 37 minutes last game. Trey Burke plays 17. So I think we have to consider pretty much the same thing would happen again for this slate. So if Luca's out, Brunson pretty easily becomes the top value play. And then Trey Burke would be more of a GPV play that you could use as a pivot off of of Brunson. But Brunson would probably be an all-in play for me. So are there uh, similar types of guys? Just, uh, again, I know we'll go position by position. We'll look at the studs, the mid-tiers, the values, all that kind of stuff. But is there kind of a, a similar Brunson-like player tonight that you're already thinking about that, boy, you, you want to consider locking this guy in? Or is a lot of it dependent upon the several hours we have between now and uh, lineup lock where we start to have some of that injury news revealed? Yeah, so I mean, like, in the, I, I always make an initial build before I do these shows just so I have an idea of, hey, here are the guys who I'm rostering if the slate was to lock right now. Thankfully, the slate does not lock right now because we don't know who the hell is playing or anything like that. Uh, but so one cheap guard who I did get a decent amount of exposure to on a first build was Dion Wright. But with that said, I, I don't think he's going to end up being a guy I have a ton of exposure to later in the day, depending on what happens with, with Luka Doncic and James Harden. Because if either or both of these guys are out, it opens up so much value on the slate that it totally changes who the best plays are. Uh, but right now, Dion Wright at 4,000 on DraftKings, he, he would be a guard play that I would be looking at for value right now if we don't get some of the other value to open up in, this spot, in, in the other injury spots. Not just that, our own Alex Baker has uh, right projected for about 28 points as things stand right now. So you're talking basically, what, 7x value, pretty close to it. So obviously, good value play if you're thinking about uh, building out the you know, bottom of your lineup, trying to fit in, uh, you know, whichever stud it is. And get those questions in, folks. We will monitor the YouTube chat, let you know if anything uh, jumps out that uh, we can help you out, answer this first of many shows over the course of the day. I know there'll be a whole bunch of questions leading into lock a lot later on with guys like, and you mentioned Harden and Luca, and obviously those questionable taxes we sit here right now, but you also have Giannis, Joel Embiid, uh, Steph Curry, who, as we said, bananas last night, about 80 fantasy points on DraftKings, Trey Young, Andre Drummond, guys like that. Who does jump out at you as, you know, this, this is the guy, or these are the two guys. These are the ones I'd like to have in my lineup. If we're to presume everybody's healthy. Yeah, so, I mean, if everybody's healthy, that's a totally different situation than if James right. Harden and Luka Doncic are out. Because as of right now, the guy that I would want to pay up for the most relative to salary is Luka. And that's assuming that everything would be okay because he's playing against the Houston Rockets and it's a spot where he should be able to to have a good fantasy. And I assume there's no kind of restrictions on him or anything like that. And he got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, but did play well in his last game, nearly triple-doubled against the Heat, uh, finished with just under 60 fantasy points. So I do kind of feel like he's starting to get a little bit back on track and the price is still down because for the majority of last year, we saw Doncic get priced up, you know, pretty high over the 12,000 uh, price tag range when Kristaps Sporzingus was out. And we still have to consider that to, to open the year, Dallas doesn't have Porzingis in the lineup. And if you look at Doncic's numbers last year, Without KP in there, he was somebody who scored over 60 fantasy points per 36 minutes. The usage rating was super high. So Doncic is in a really good spot to play well going forward. I think some of his struggles early in the year could be attributed to him maybe coming into the season not in tip-top shape. And I think that's something that he should be able to play himself in as the season goes along. Uh, last game was definitely his best one so far. But with that said, like we have to keep mentioning, we just don't know what his health situation is as of now. All right. Well, you ready to go a little position by position? Let's do it. All right. Well, as mentioned tonight, there are nine games all beginning uh, as early as seven o'clock Eastern. So you got a pretty big slate to work with here. Starts with the Cavs and Magic. 
Hornets and Sixers. And then, of course, you're going to get into 730 games and so on and so forth. Only one late game tonight. That is the Kings and Warriors. I'm sure a lot of people will have the recency bias of uh, Steph doing what he did last night. Should we roster him again? Is he automatic? Let's begin at the specifically point guard position, unless you want to go, you know, a little more wide ranging and and think guards in general, but that, you know, you start to get into flex spots and things like that. As far as the point guard, are you going right back to paying up and playing Steph Curry? Or are there other guys that stand out to you more so when you're thinking about that upper tier? Yeah, so this is another situation where we kind of have to see, like, what happens with James Harden and Luka Doncic. Because let's say both of these guys are out, then all of a sudden a ton of value opens up and we need guys to pay up for. So the the one thing that would stand out there about Steph Curry is – with us needing players to to roster if there's all that value on the high end. And Curry's somebody who, after his big game last night, the price point didn't really move on him. And if you look at his numbers, like, yeah, he's not going to score 62 points again, but his usage rating was ridiculous. He had a 50% usage rating. And I think he's very live to lead the league in scoring this year because we didn't see Curry much last year. But if you go back to two years ago when both Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant were off the court, which is the situation we have now with Curry, he had a usage rating of right around 40%. He scored over 40 points per 36 minutes. So Steph Curry is going to take on a massive usage rating this year, and he's going to have a ton of really big scoring games. So even though last night was a little bit of, of an outlier, obviously, I think it's still very telling of what his role is going to look like in the offense. And for the Warriors to be successful this year, Steph Curry is probably going to have to be near the, the league leaders in usage. He's going to have to take a ton of shots, and he's going to have to score a ton. So Steph Curry's price hasn't adjusted from the game he had last night. So in in the first builds that I did where I don't have James Harden or Luka Doncic in the player pool, Curry comes out as one of my higher-owned players. And I think that's that's right. I I know that his ownership is probably going to be a little bit inflated, coming in a little over 20% after the game he had yesterday. Uh, But I think that if we get enough value where it's easy to pay up for him, then I'm fine with that. I still think you can make a case that the, the ownership wouldn't be high enough. What's a bounce back look like? I know Alex uh, has him projected for about 49 points, but then again, he was projected for something similar last night and, you know, had one of those outlier games where he absolutely went crazy as we know. So, you know, what's uh, realistic for a guy at 9,300 bucks. Yeah. I mean, well, even if you look at his games this year, despite the Warriors being a little bit disappointing and not playing well, I mean, Curry's still averaging over 50 fantasy points per game. His fantasy point total so far, 56, 48, 45, 75 over the last four games. So because the usage is so high for him, it, it doesn't really matter if he's not necessarily making, you know, like 90% of his threes or whatever crazy it was last night, because he's still going to get his shots up. He is still going to have a primary facilitating role in the offense. So, I mean, I, I haven't projected to average somewhere in between six and seven assists per game this year. So I, I think, I think that it's probably pretty reasonable to expect that he scores over 50 fantasy points in the spot against the Kings more often than not. All right. How about that next level of guards? Obviously, when it comes to uh, top tier, you can't help but think about uh, Harden. And like we said, uh, obviously, Steph talked a great deal about him, Trey Young, Darren Fox even. But, you know, you start to uh, look down just a little bit. Let's see who um, who we really like in terms of returning value as well. Some of that next range. I mean, you tell me, is it, you know, you look at uh, Gildress Alexander, you're looking at John Wall, you're looking at... Uh, well, Buddy Heald starts to obviously get into the shooting guard position. Derek Rose is eligible for both spots. Who stands out to you? So one guy who I got a, a good amount of exposure to in my first build is De'Aaron Fox going up against the Warriors. So something else to consider about Golden State, they are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back after the big game that Steph had last night. So there could be a little bit of fatigue there. And and look at the role that De'Aaron Fox is playing in the Kings offense this year. He's taken a big step forward in terms of usage, uh, usage rating right around 30% to open the season. And I think that's what we're going to see from Fox. Uh, if Remember last year, he played well when he was on the court, but he also dealt with a couple of serious ankle injuries that inhibited him a little bit. Uh, he was a little slow coming back, and then it also hampered him a little bit throughout the season. I think that he's somebody who's going to have a pretty big breakout year in terms of going from a guy who's a, a well above average point guard to probably playing you know, around an all-star level. I think that he's somebody who I probably would expect to make the all-star team if the West wasn't so deep at the guard position. Uh, but I think he's poised to have a really big fantasy season, especially when you consider some of the usage rating, some of the, the recent usage rating for him, uh, th- over 31% each of the last two games. And he wasn't super efficient shooting the ball in, in those games, eight of 19 from the field, nine of 23. 
still scored over 20 fantasy points, averaged over 40 DraftKings points in those games. But the usage is there and the shots are there. And considering the in, the the pace and the environment that I think this game is uh, going to be played at, the total on this game has opened up at 231, which is the highest on the slate by a pretty wide margin. I, I think this is a game that we're going to want to target. So De'Aaron Fox in the mid-range is the, is the point guard that I'm honing in on as of now. All right. So if we... Buckle down to value. I know you spent time talking about right, and obviously at 4K is a great option. Uh, you could go even lower than that. The likes of Aaron Holiday, uh, TJ McConnell. These are guys that are projected to have good nights, you know, right around 3,500, but not expected anyway to eclipse 20 fantasy points based on Osmo's projections. Uh, you pay up uh, a little bit, start to look at the, you know, the George Hills. I don't know if he, you know, gravitates a little bit more toward mid-tier based on, uh, I mean, he's not a De'Aaron Fox level salary, obviously, but still sub 5K. Who jumps out? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned DeLon Wright. Um, if we're looking for a GPP play, I think LaMelo Ball, somebody I'll have a little more exposure to the field then. It looks like his minutes are trending up. I expect he's going to be a pretty high variance player mm. in his in his rookie season. So not somebody to consider in cash games, but only projecting for 2% ownership in GPP. Uh, looks like I'm going to have a little bit higher than that. Uh, as for other value plays, it's just kind of a wait and see for me because we have James Harden and Luka Doncic both questionable, and they have they have so much pull on the slate. So Brunson is by far going to be the best value play at the guard position if Doncic gets ruled out. And then for Harden, if he doesn't end up playing, then John Wall is going to be somebody who we're also going to want to get into a bunch of lineups because John Wall last game with Harden out ended up scoring 50 fantasy points, had a 36% usage rating. So I think that in any game that we don't have Harden, I think John Wall is going to have just massive fantasy output. And the, th the same thing is going to go the other way, where in games where John Wall's resting, which I assume is going to happen on a lot of back-to-backs, right? Because it's been, you know, it's been over two years since we've seen John Wall on, on the court. He's had, he's coming off a torn Achilles, a torn ACL. So I think he's probably going to rest in back-to-back -back situations. And when that happens, we're going to see massive usage rating for James Harden. And if this is spot where James Harden's out, I expect John Wall to have another big game. So those are just the the injuries that I think we really have to pay attention to. And it makes it a little hard to know exactly what to, what to target the point guard position right now. Our producer Jordan's out here in the uh, YouTube channel, just trolling people calling Andrew Wiggins, a YMCA level player. He's going in hard at people. We have, whole bunch of Wiggins defenders out there living in the YouTube channel. Folks, I I'm sorry if we're not acknowledging your, uh, uh, your Osmo premium Slack comments if you're on Slack in the first place, but I'm guessing you're not because it, it appears it is uh, down uh, across the globe making <laughs> work from home people suffer to uh, start off their first work week of 2021 because evidently 2020 is not dead yet, much as uh, much to our chagrin what we thought. But we are keeping an eye on the uh, YouTube channel here and appreciate all the great commentary. Keep smashing the like button up over 100. Let's make the push to 200 with about 600 people watching this uh, show the nba strategy show here with us on a monday comes your way 10 a.m eastern every single day you'll get us uh, multiple times a week as well so you know strap on in have a good time obviously uh let's see let's go to the shooting guard position here as we have just crossed past the uh 10:30 mark so there's you know james harden who obviously we talked about eligible for both guard spots he's a question mark right now if he plays Naturally, always a good play and a guy that could do what Steph did last night. I mean, he could go for, you know, 75 points any given day. Right behind him, though, in terms of the projections, you have Jalen Brown, who, uh, you know, much like uh, DeLon Wright, he is like Dylon from Chappelle. He's spitting hot fire like crazy. Jalen Brown had uh, 31 actual points last night. He is the Celtics' leading scorer right now. Doesn't seem like no matter how good Jason Tatum has been Jalen Brown is just right there to match his intensity and production out there on the floor. Is that a guy at 8,300 bucks projected for North of 40 points that you want your lineup? Uh, you were just dying to ask me Celtics questions. Weren't you Kaufman? Uh, You've been sitting there ever, 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 ever since you saw me on the schedule together, you're like, uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about all the Celtics in depth. So every, I'm, I'm going to, every last I'm, I'm, one of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw something, you now. in terms of the Celtics best players so far this year. It's been Jalen Brown, right? Is, is that Jaylen crazy Brown. to say? Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, I he's mean, been terrific. Jason Tatum has multiple game-winning shots, and he's, you know, he's missed one or two as well. But, yeah, in terms of overall consistent production, it's been Jalen Brown. He has been the guy so far. Now, that doesn't mean that big picture he's 
you know, the better player, you know, overall, like if you were, if you were putting out an NBA player power ranking as everybody does in the preseason and at multiple times throughout the year, if you were to do that right now, is Jalen Brown a better player than Jason Tatum? I don't think people would say that, but in terms of the production on the floor through the first seven games of the season, yeah, it's been Brown. My question is, and you know, it's obviously we're talking about the Celtics right now, but it's a question for any of the, you know, handful, half dozen plus teams in the NBA that have the, the legitimate one, two punch where both these guys are going to get 20 plus points a game, actual points. And both these guys can go off any given night. I never know what the best way is to attack these teams from a fantasy perspective, because you know, like maybe Brown does go off tonight and Tatum also goes off or it's a quieter night for one of them. And it's, it's, it becomes a function of like we say in the NFL all the time. And, and you're looking at like, Oh, who's Russell Wilson going to throw to tonight? Is it going to be Robert Woods or Cooper cup? How do you pick the right guy? Because obviously a lot of the time in the NBA and uh, I guess NFL as well, you know, if one guy goes off, he's taking production opportunity away from the other. So it's all a long winded way as I typically will do of asking you, Brown versus Tatum or, uh, you know, Durant versus Kyrie or, you know, so on and so forth. There are so many of these. How do you know when to choose? Yeah, well, here's the good news. I don't like either of them tonight, so I don't really think we have to, we'd have to choose. So, so here's Jalen Brown's been terrific this year and I have poo-pooed on him in the past. I made fun of the Celtics when they signed him to that massive contract. Mia Copa, I was wrong. Jalen Brown's terrific. Now with that, with that, with that said Kaufman, Let's look at his numbers to open the season in the last few games. The fantasy production is terrific. Yeah. 13 of 16 from the field last game. The game before, 12 of 20. The game before, 15 of 21. These are all terrific shooting nights, but it's not sustainable. So the issue is now his price has gone so high up. And look at last game. So last game, he made 13 of 16 shots and scored 36 fantasy points. So mm-hmm. that's fine, but even that isn't it's not enough fantasy output for an 8300 price tag. And then you also have to consider there's no way he shoots that efficiently every night. Like it, it, even if I've admitted I'm wrong on on Jalen Brown, he's not somebody who's going to shoot 13 of 16 from the floor every day because sure. if that's the case he's just the best player in NBA history by far and there's nothing to debate. You you would love that to happen, but that's that's not going to be the you case. You have heard? <laughs> <laughs> so the issue is that I expect shooting regression and his price has gone up to the point where this is by far the most expensive he's ever been. 8,300. We've never seen a price point this high on Jalen Brown. And the reality is that unless he continues to shoot 70, 75% from the field, he's not going to be able to continue paying off this price tag. So what's going to happen is eventually he's going to shoot and he's probably still going to be relatively efficient, but eventually he's going to make like 50% of his shots from the field and be like, Oh, that's a nice game. But then he's no longer scoring around 40 fantasy points because it's less shots than he's making now. So the 8,300 price tag is just, it's a little bit too steep for me to roster him. All right. So that in mind, who are these uh, upper tier shooting guards are you looking at? You know, let's say Harden is unavailable. You already said you don't like Brown. You know, at that point, it it becomes, you know, it's Fred Van Vliet, it's Buddy Heald, it's Colin Sexton, R.J. Barrett, you know, Jordan's guy, Andrew Wiggins, guys like that. Who stands out? All right. So this is another uh, another spot where we kind of need to wait on some injury information, because one guy that I would like a decent amount is Colin Sexton. So Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, they've made up the Sexland backcourt. It's been terrific. It's my favorite nickname in, in basketball right now. Darius Garland off to a really strong start to the year. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. He's listed as questionable to play. So if he is ruled out, then we have a situation where there's going to be some value that opens up in the, in, in the Cavaliers backcourt. And then we're also going to probably see a bunch of usage go towards Colin Sexton. We haven't seen these guys play on the court all that much until this year so it's hard to know what the usage look like that and Darius Garland is so much better this year than he was last year but my suspicion would be that we just see a ton of usage go towards Sexton so if that's the case Sexton at 7100 would be a really strong play but on the flip side if Garland plays I don't have any interest in Colin Sexton so this is this is why the injuries matter a lot and also why there's value in our slack chat when it's actually working and and slack (laughs) is up and up and functional because we we, yeah because because we get the news god El Negro Loco comes in gives us updates on, on all the injury news. It's also a terrific follow on Twitter. And that, that will be something that really determines where I'm going to the shooting guard position. Cause I think that Colin Sexton could potentially be the best play at the position, or it could be somebody I don't get any exposure to. It all depends on what happens with Darius Garland. All right. So let's see then if, 
you wanted to pay down a little bit, and, and why am I not surprised that a guy that we have deemed uh, Tinder Lake likes the sex land? Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's only fitting. So you know, Delon Wright, obviously, who we were talking about before, extreme value as we know it uh, at 4K with uh, the great projection of basically 7x. You know, you could look at uh, Derek Rose at 5,800 bucks, and you know, looking at guys fixated on guys that are particularly. Um, you know, mid-tier or cheap as compared to even Sexton, who is not obviously expensive. Uh, George Hill, who I mentioned before, Duncan Robinson, if you want to go way down, uh, Alec Burks, Josh Richardson, uh, who, uh, you know, who's, it, I don't know, it, it just feels like this is a position, the more I scan the guys that are available to you, this just, this is the position pending James Harden or someone who's in love with Jalen Brown, uh, like me, this is, uh, it, it's just, this is the position of any that you're looking for your value tonight. Yeah, so deal on right, we mentioned uh, Derek Rose is somebody else who I'm getting exposure to in early builds. So if we look at the Pistons roster, it, it stinks, right? I mean, that, that's probably the worst roster in basketball. There's not very much talent. There's not very many high usage guys there. And then we also have to consider that uh, that Blake Griffin is, is dealing with a concussion. He's been ruled out uh, for at least one more game, and then we'll see when he comes back. But the, the problem here now with the Pistons is who's going to take shots for them. And if you look at Derek Rose over the last couple of games, uh, usage rating in the last three, 35%, 31%, 32%. So it looks like it's Derek Rose. He's picking up a lot of the usage and his minutes to this point uh, haven't necessarily really been there, but he did close out the, the last game for them. Mm -hmm. So with, with that in mind, uh, I, I think that we are probably going to potentially see an uptick in playing time for Derek Rose. And if that's the case, then – and by the way, actually, I forgot that Blake Griffin did play yesterday, except he's ruled out today for rest anyway, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, so with Blake Griffin not playing, there's uh, still the void there for usage. And it looks like Derek Rose is going to be picking up a lot of it just based on his usage from the last three games. So even at the minutes he's playing right now, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's still producing right around his salary. So if we're able to get a couple extra minutes out of Derrick Rose with his current usage rating, I think he's a chance to be a pretty good value at his price point. Uh, as a FanDuel-specific play, who I, I know that people will be happy to hear me bring him up again, Eric mm -hmm. Bledsoe has been terrific on FanDuel, and he hasn't really been priced up at all yet. He's a lot more expensive on DraftKings than FanDuel. But on FanDuel, he remains priced down at 5100 That's too cheap. I know that nobody likes Eric Bledsoe other than me, but he has played relatively well in the regular season over the last few years, and his production the last two games has been much better than it was earlier in the season. The last two games, 25 and 46 FanDuel points. So at his 5100 price tag, I think that he's underpriced because we have a long track record of him playing well in the regular season. It hasn't translated to the playoffs, but I think that's causing a little bit of, of bias here where people just don't want anything to do with Eric Bledsoe and it's let him be priced down on, on FanDuel and people will uh, definitely be messaging me in Slack whenever it's working later, making fun of me about Eric Bledsoe because I always bring him up. Before we get to our next group, you're here with Greg Ehrenberg, Adam Kaufman. Folks, celebrate 2021 with Osimo Plus, okay? Get 21 days of Osmo Plus for only 20 bucks when you use the promo code 2021 at checkout. It gives you access to everything Osmo Plus has to offer, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builders, so much more. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here throughout the first half hour or so of this program. There is more, though. If you love Osmo, you're looking to commit longer term. We're giving you 20% off an Osmo Plus yearly platinum pass with promo code HAPPY. Okay, that is promo code Happy. This will be our only discount on a yearly pass all year, so you do not want to miss it. Okay, be mindful of that. Uh, before we get to small forwards and just continue on going position by position, uh, just to talk about some of the great Osmo Plus tools for people that you know don't know what they're missing. Quite frankly, lineup builder in particular. Talk to me a little bit uh, for the people that have not experienced it, because I'm sure it's a tool that you play with quite a uh, a bit, including maybe this morning to put your you know, dummy lineups together to get you ready for this show. When it comes to lineup builder and you're looking at the slate and you're putting a, 
a full lineup together and examining your salary and your value and your projections and all that stuff. When you get to the end, when you have your lineup in front of you, what are the aspects when it comes to, you know, contrarian percentage and value percentage and overall projection? What are you looking for in particular as you are building a lineup? And, and maybe the answer is different GPP versus cash, but what are you looking at? Uh, so something I'll bring up is I like the boom bust tool we have on the, on the site a lot. And it's something I write an article about every day. Uh, Cause I mean, you mentioned the ownership there and it's one thing to look at ownership and try to figure out like who the best plays are. But what I like about the boom bust tool is it has what the odds are of somebody having a game that far exceeds their salary point. It has the odds of somebody far underperforming their salary point. And then also based on simulation results, the odds of somebody ending up in the optimal lineup. So we consider somebody like Jalen Brunson will say like, Hey, this guy is going to be chalky at, say whatever uh, i forget what is 3300 is price tag on DraftKings. then you could look at okay what's his ownership and what are his actual odds of being in the optimal lineup and then you could figure well is he worth playing based on what his price point is i mean what what his price point and his ownership is and then you get an idea of all right so maybe he's going to be 40 percent owned but he might have a 70 percent chance being in the optimal lineup so even though he's really popular it still might be an indication that perhaps he's not popular enough Okay. What about, uh, as far as lineup builder, when it comes to the projected points that it gives you, I mean, you might put a lineup together and it says, I don't know, 275 projected points. Are you simply trying to mix and match and just get to the highest projected point total? And it's, it's that simple, or are there other facets of uh, lineup building that you're looking to achieve within that? Well, I mean, so I'm playing generally like 150 lineups on individual sites. So it's, it's, there's a tough balance of, I want to play a bunch of lineups and I want to have them projected well, but I also want to have somewhat of a diverse portfolio, right? I, I don't just want like five players that are in hundred percent of my lineups. Yeah. So there's always a point of how do I be a little bit contrarian? How do I make lineups that don't have the best value per se in all of them, but at the same time, try to figure out a way that it's, it's not a, an overall net negative EV lineup. Cause I don't want to be contrarian just for the sake of being contrarian. I want it to be contrarian, but still be a good lineup. So one thing I'll do when I'm building lineups is, and I think Alex makes this point all the time, is you want to compare your top projected lineup to some of the bottom projected lineups that you're playing. Because mm -hmm. if there's a point where there's a massive gap between, say, your 80th created lineup and your first created lineup, then, then maybe the, the 80th created lineup is just is just not plus EV and you, you don't want to play it. So that's something I'm always looking at is when I make a lot of lineups, how do I differentiate without just making crappy lineups? Fair enough. All right, let's go to small forwards here and continue our discussion position by position. You are watching the NBA strategy show. You have got uh, right at the top of the list, a guy that you don't like tonight, Jason Tatum, who was projected for about 45 points. Uh, you want to go down just a, a little bit, uh, you know, fair amount, I guess, salary wise, you can pay down about a grand and go to Jimmy Butler, who's projected for a very similar total. And, you know, five and a half times uh, value. You obviously have more expensive guys as well available to you. Ben Simmons, uh, who's actually not projected to have quite as good a night. Some other top-tier guys like uh, Brandon Ingram or obviously Jalen Brown is uh, eligible for multiple positions. We talked about him, Chris Middleton. So who at that upper level do you like most? All right. So talking about Jason Tatum, I actually, point per dollar, I think he's an okay play. But here's why I don't think I'm going to end up with a lot of exposure to him. Assuming that we get some guys like James Harden and Luka Doncic out, I just think there's going to be so much value on the slate that's going to set up where I want to go a little bit more of a stars and scrubs build. So the actual price on Jason Tatum, yeah, in initial builds, I am getting some exposure to him, but I don't expect that's going to be the case later in the day. But to your question earlier, if we are comparing Jason Tatum to Jalen Brown, if we had to roster one of them, yeah. it would be Jason Tatum for me because they're priced about the same. And if we're trying to project out future projection uh, production for the rest of the year, Jason Tatum is still the guy that I ultimately think is going to be the better player and score more fantasy points. So Tatum is the better play of the two. I just don't expect I'm going to end up on a lot of Tatum because we have so many key players that are questionable. I think that's ultimately going to open up other spots I want to go to. If you are rostering Jason Tatum at 8,600, I don't necessarily think that's going to be terrible, but my hunch is that better options are going to open up as the night goes on. And there is somebody you mentioned there that I think from a points per dollar sense makes a lot more sense than Jimmy Butler for $1,200 cheaper on DK. Okay. So if you're looking toward Jimmy Butler then, and uh, I agree with you, I think, you know, for a variety of reasons, he does make more sense. You start to think about paying down a little bit. I guess I'm kind of more looking toward the uh, 5000 or so do uh, dollar tier. You have 
uh, Darius Basley, Harrison Barnes, uh, Josh Richardson, Kelly Oubre, obviously. Uh, you could go down to value territory, look at Sadiq Bey, who's projected to have a, a solid night, about 6x value on the Osmo projections. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith's a good guy as well. You go way down, J.J. Redick. 3300 bucks. who's uh, projected to exceed his value. Uh, so what do you think? Who do you like? Yeah, so uh, a, a couple of those guys you mentioned, like Dorian Finney-Smith, he's somebody that could benefit also if Luka Doncic is out. But mm-hmm. given the information we have right now, I think that Sadiq Bey makes for the best play in this price point, uh, or at his price point at 3900 if we're going cheap. So Bey started the other day when Blake Griffin was out. He ended up scoring 32 fantasy points. Uh, the usage is pretty high for him. When he gets on the court, he's not afraid to shoot. Uh, he is a usage rating north of 20% this year. We've seen him have a game against the Warriors where his usage was as high as 29%. So in that start against your Celtics, where the Pistons uh, improbably ended up winning that game, Sadiq Bay started the, the Pistons 196-93. Bay took 11 shots, usage rating over 20%, 17 real-life points, put up a pretty well-rounded line. So at 3,900, assuming he starts again, which I think he will because Blake Griffin's out, and he started the last time that Griffin was out, I think that he he stands to to gain the most in that situation. Something else to note also is the Pistons are playing the Bucs, and that's a game that could very likely be a blowout. We've, we've seen a ton of blowouts this year, more than we've ever seen before. Uh, Bucks are favored by a pretty healthy amount in that game. Wouldn't surprise me if they end up winning the game by like 25 points or 30 or something like that. Even if that is the case, Bay is going to be on the court in the fourth quarter. So the blowout is not really a concern for him. And you could even make a case that a blowout would help his production just because instead of playing against a tough Bucks starting lineup, he'd be playing against backups and the end of bench guys in, in garbage time. So Bay, I think at 3,900 is, is definitely somebody to roster. All right, power forwards. This is where the fun's at. You know, we we're looking at some of these positions that there are a lot of value, great pay down options. I think if you're apt to spend up, this is a place where you're thinking about doing it or power forward or center guys that are eligible for both spots anyway. There's Giannis, who is projected to have a strong night, almost 60 points. Julius Randle, who has uh, overall had some great production this year. DeMontis Sabonis, Tatum is eligible for this slot as well. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, uh, Pascal Siakam, Jeremy Grant, Tobias Harris. I'm just kind of you know going up and down the list of some of these uh, upper guys. You do want to save some money or you're looking toward your utility or flex forward spot. Marvin Bagley is uh, an option for you. Oubre, who we talked about before. Sadiq Bey, obviously. But that upper tier, you can't roster all of them, Greg. So who do you like? Yeah, so this is another situation where Giannis becomes very easy to roster if Doncic and Harden are out. We just have a ton of value. So the amount of exposure I get to Giannis is once again going to depend on mainly if Luka plays or not. Because if Luka's out where we just have Jalen Brunson to plug in as a value play, it's going to be really easy to get up to Giannis. So in that situation, Giannis is going to end up being one of my more owned players. And uh, 10800 on DraftKings, FanDuel 11400 still a reasonable price tag for Giannis because Last year, his price tag on FanDuel, even if that seems a little steep, he, he got priced over 12000 at his peak last year. So $11,400 is not too bad. Uh, I think that he is the guy to pay up for if the salary allows for it. If not, I'm going to go a little cheaper if, if we don't get all the value on the slate. And I think Zion's the one who stands out the most. I know his minutes have been really frustrating this year, but he's going to be a stud. And the minutes are not really a concern this year as long as he stays out of foul trouble. The issue is that he's gotten into foul trouble a decent amount this year. That's a little hard to predict. And I can't just, you know, straight out come and say that Zion will or will not get into foul trouble, but look at him in games where he hasn't gotten into, into foul issues. He played 33 minutes last game earlier in the season, the game against the Spurs, he played 38 minutes against the heat. He played 38 minutes. So in, in most games where he's able to keep his hands to himself, doesn't pick up like three fouls immediately. I think we could safely project and play around 35 minutes in those games and given his point-per-minute production, he's he's too cheap. And a lot of that's just because of some of his recent foul struggles. Marco says, I'd rather pay up for Luca than Giannis. And obviously, that's pending health. But uh, how do you feel about that debate? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was what I said at the top when you asked me, if you can only pay up for one guy on this slate, and we assume everybody's healthy, who will it be? I said, for me, it's Luca. The issue is just we don't know right now if he's healthy or not. So I agree with that, though. If everybody's healthy, if we find out that there's, there's no injuries. Everybody gets magically healed at, at noon today. Whenever the next injury report comes out, yeah. there's everybody's injuries are fixed. Then, yeah, Luca's going to be the guy for me. I'm just, I'm just not sure that's the case yet. Clayton says Sabonis is going to put Zion in early foul trouble. Big fade on Zion tonight. 
Hey, it, it, it could happen. I hope not, because that's not how I'm going to be building my lineups. I <laughs> certainly hope that Zion stays out of foul trouble and plays well. The last three games for Zion have not been great. Uh, the two of them, though, were low minutes due to foul trouble and a blowout. Last game, 31 fantasy points in a pretty tough matchup against the, the Raptors. But still, you go back to his point-per-minute production last year, and he was one of the best point-per-minute fantasy producers in the entire league. The only reason it didn't necessarily translate to him being one of the highest-priced and highest-scoring fantasy players was because he had all those weird restrictions. There was back-to-backs where he would rest. There was other games where he'd come in, and he was only playing like 18 minutes or 22 minutes. But if you extrapolate his production from last year over 36 minutes, then you're talking about one of the top fantasy producers in the entire league. And I think that is going to be the case this year. So I don't think there's a very big window to buy low on Zion. Also, his his price isn't all that, uh, his ownership isn't all that high right now. Project for 10% ownership on DraftKings. Uh, Fanduel a little higher at around 20%. But still, I think for a guy like Zion, who's really a generational prospect, and I think should be one of the highest priced players in the league when the season's over, assuming everything uh, goes how I expect it to, I think that we're going to look back on Zion being priced in the 7K range and think like, oh, I can't believe that this guy was this cheap and we didn't roster him at one point. So if you're paying down at the power forward spot, is this where we start to talk about uh, or continue on the conversation, I guess, with the likes of Sadiq Bey and Dorian Finney-Smith and, you know, guys like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else uh, there's, I mean, Ubre is not, I mean, certainly a pay down next to Giannis. He's not, you know, super value, obviously. You could look at... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll bring up somebody. Guys along so those lines, yeah. Th- there's there's no information on this yet, but I have a hunch. Um, so Dwight Powell is coming mm-hmm. off of a torn Achilles, and I do not think he's going to be playing in back-to-backs this year. We, we don't have any sample on this because we haven't seen the Mavericks play in back-to-backs, but I have a feeling when we get an injury report that comes out later in the day, Dwight Powell is going to be resting because – I just can't see him coming back from an Achilles injury and playing in back-to-backs. He's looked fine when he's been on the court. He looks a little bit less explosive, but still coming back from an injury like that, generally the the way that we see teams approach it is rest is rest players. And also we have to consider last year with Kristaps Porzingis coming off a torn ACL, the Mavericks rested him in back-to-back situations for the first half of the season. So given that, that precedent, I think that's what we're going to see with Powell this year. So with that in mind, I think that Maxi Kleber becomes a really good value play. He played well last night also with Luca out. So that's something else to think about too, is that if Luca and Powell are both out, then Kleber's really going to have to play a substantial role. But as of right now, Kleber, who's not really projecting for that much ownership, 14%, I think that's probably going to change as the day goes on because I'm pretty sure we're going to end up seeing that Dwight Powell is ruled out and then, and then we're going to see Kleber as one of the top value plays on the slate projection-wise. Let's wrap with the center spot then. You've got, uh, obviously, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Andre Drummond, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis. you got Vooch, Zion, uh, Bam Adebayo. You could pay down, look at Mason Plumley, Bagley, who we've talked about. Who do you like at the big man position? Yeah, so I think if we're paying up for somebody, for me, it's going to be Joel Embiid. I don't necessarily think we have to pay up at the center position, but if I'm going to roster one guy on the high end, it's going to be Embiid for me. And I really like the moves the Sixers made in the offseason. Kaufman isn't going to like me uh, saying this, but I think the Sixers are the best. They had a good offseason. You bring in a guy who knows what he's doing. I I think they're the best team in the the division. And I also think, if just talking about from a betting purpose, I think this is probably the last window to bet on the the, the 76ers at relatively long odds to win the Atlantic Conference. Uh, I have them at 4-1 to right now. I think books still have them up as long as 3-1. to that's too long for me because I think that this is going to be a really good team this year. And it just has to do with the chemistry, right? So they got rid of Al Horford. They got, they got rid of Josh Richardson. These are good players, but the fit is so much better. Now, when you add Danny green and Seth Curry into that starting lineup, these are two 40% three point shooters. All of a sudden you have a lot more space for these guys to operate. So Ben Simmons, I think would be more effective. Joel Embiid, who I think is live to an MVP this year. I think that he's going to have a, a, a massive season for them. And he also has less competition for rebounds playing it in a, in a smaller front court without Al Horford. I think the floor spacing is going to make it so he's a handful to guard in the post. I think he's going to give teams all kinds of issues. And then you also look at the matchup against the Charlotte Hornets where there's no Cody Zeller there. So they're a lot weaker defensively. He's going to be facing defense from PJ Washington, who even though Washington's fine, Joel Embiid is a huge size mismatch for him. Mm-hmm. So paying up for a center, I think Joel Embiid is the way to go. And also somebody who's a little bit, underpriced right now on DraftKings. He is a sub 
uh, actually sub 10k price tag on both FanDuel and DraftKings, and that really shouldn't be the case for Embiid. Uh, maybe it's a spot that other people are looking elsewhere because just looking around in uh, in the chat here, there's uh, love for Clint Capella and Holmes, uh, Robert Williams, Time Lord with uh, Tristan Thompson resting on back to backs. There, uh, Bismack Biombo, uh, you know, let's see. Tobias, uh, let's see, he was talking about Tobias Harris before, Stephen Adams. There are a uh, lot, of, lot of wood, a uh, lot, lot of love for, uh, for wood tonight here in this one. A lot, a lot of wood in the chat. You heard it from, you heard it from Kaufman yes. first. Uh, a lot of wood in the chat. Christian Wood, of course. <laughs> 7400 so bucks on DraftKings, looking at about 5x value on the projections. So there's a name you mentioned there that I really like in the mid-range, and that is Clint Capella. So Capella, who we've never really seen him play with the Hawks until the last couple of games, really, because they traded for him last year at the trade deadline, but then he was injured. He didn't make a debut with them, and then the Hawks didn't make the bubble. So we just never saw Capella play with Atlanta last year, and then he started the season with the minutes restrictions, so we didn't get to see a whole ton of him then. The minutes restrictions coming off. The last two games he played 30 and 31 minutes, so that's no longer a concern. And if you look at what he did last game, uh, double-double, 16 points and 16 rebounds, kind of broke the slate for his price point. And it hasn't gone up quite enough because if we look at the historical pricing on Clint Capella, he finished last year priced at 8200 before he got traded from the Rockets. So when you consider somebody who now no longer has a minutes restriction, he was an 8200 player, and now he's priced all the way down to 6100 just because he opened the season with playing you know, like 20 minutes per game. We don't have to worry about that anymore. He's probably $1,500 or so too cheap. So Clint Capella, this is probably the last buy low window on him after after he uh, put up that big double-double last game and, and played 31 minutes. So Capella, I think he's trending upwards in a pretty big way, and the salary is not caught up with him yet. Anyone else that we haven't talked about across uh, all the positions that we haven't, you know, that, that you'd want to highlight for the people? I think we've obviously mentioned a lot of names. There's no question about that, but uh, – Anyone that maybe isn't quite on people's radar? Um, so I think here's somebody that you like. I think Tristan Thompson's a pretty good value play at center. So Thompson, who has played you know well for the Celtics when he's been out there, the minutes haven't necessarily been huge for him. But I don't think they have to be at this price point because you look at the last three games, 29 fantasy points, 28, 24. So at the 4,400 price tag, I think that I think he's just a little bit too cheap. I think he's safe. There isn't necessarily the highest ceiling on him. But even so, I think that the the the, the salary of forty four hundred that's too low. He's not picking up all that all that much ownership. So if you really need to save salary at the center position, I think that Tristan Thompson's a pretty good cash game play, and somebody will have some exposure to in tournaments as well. I like this, and I think this is something people often wonder when they're uh, leading up to lineup lock and wondering how to set their lineups. Super chat from Looser. Uh, tell us where to get our news, Greg. Oh, so the best place to get plug central here, here it comes. The best place to get your news is from my friend and yours, the news God, El Negro Loco DFS on Twitter. Uh He is on top of every, I don't even know how he does it. It makes no sense. I, 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 this is, and I I see Jordan Klein, uh, GPP winning producer in in the background, nodding his head around as I talk about this. I don't, I don't understand how this is possible. This is Woj tweets something and it's, it's like, El Negro Loco, the news guy, he's, he's had this inter- information five minutes ago. He knows what Woj is going to tweet before he does. He's got all the injury news. He's on top of everything. So if you follow him on Twitter, I'm telling you, he retweets everything and has all the news out immediately. He has, I don't know what kind of system he has at home, but he's, he's like wired in like it's the matrix to the news center. And he just has everything out immediately. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. He works really hard. So everybody should follow him on Twitter and definitely get all updates from him because he's awesome. Well, and he's constantly posting, uh, you know, timely posts, as Greg noted, obviously, in the Osmo Premium Slack channel when it comes to the NBA breaking news. So you want to be part of it. You want to get in there and, uh, you know, you, you don't even, I mean, obviously, follow the guy on Twitter, but it's that's just be in the channel and you'll see all the tweets. Everything gets immediately posted in there. And there are so many great articles uh, on Osmo. There's the Deep Dive article and so many others, the Boom Bust, uh, as, you know, Greg talked about that he writes and, you know, salary savers values there. I mean, you could have a, a solid handful of articles available to you just on Osimo's website leading up to lock every single night, not to mention programming that we have uh, that, you know, you want to be with us for throughout the day. And on that note, by the way, this being Monday, uh, while we are on the verge of wrapping up here in the next few minutes, you're going to have the 
uh, PGA DFS first look coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern. Five o'clock, the NBA Deep Dive, which will be an hour-long show taking you into NBA Live Before Lock. And, uh, you know, Lafay and Adam and Josh and Greg, all those guys will be around for that. So, um, you know, right now, this is just uh, tip of the iceberg in terms of your coverage. This is where you can goof around, experiment, consider who you want your lineups. But when it comes to actually making those pressing decisions before things become finalized, that's the stuff that you want to be watching. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, as of right now, we went over some of the injuries, but who knows what's going to happen. We've got like two dozen key players that are on the injury report today. So it's definitely going to be important to tune into live before lock, which I think I'm doing with Josh today. And then we'll figure out by then we'll know hopefully most of the news. And then Josh and I'll be able to figure out like, Hey, these are the people we're actually rostering as opposed to me guessing. Like, I think these are the guys I'm going to roster, but then later in the day, we'll have a much better, much better feel for, and we'll be able to go over all that. Well, by then, hopefully Slack is working and we can all be in touch with one another. That that would be a nice. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to pull up Slack just while, uh, you know, we've been talking and nope, nothing. It's a, it, I open it up. It basically laughs at me. Yeah, well, I like so over the next like couple of weeks, you try to DM me on Slack. I'll just pretend it's not working. I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't see it. They didn't <laughs> Slack's down. It's like, no, nah, great. Issue yeah. with my router. That's yeah. that's what it is. The, no, the, the Wi-Fi. Let me let me go restart it. Yeah, they they fixed like ten days ago. Not on my phone. They didn't call from the not yeah, on my no, phone. Still, still messed up. Gonna have to call somebody. Thanks to uh, everyone for hanging out here with us over the course of the last almost an hour, anyway. And apologies again for the late start, but hopefully technical difficulties will be behind us in a hurry. Certainly for programming for the rest of this day and over the course of the week. Uh, I'll be back here doing this show again Thursday morning. I'll be at about fifteen minutes earlier. The uh, NBA strategy show. I don't think I'm with you. Uh, I think uh, that that might just be a, a Monday pleasurable experience that we get to share together. I'm going to be with Josh for that one. So that's okay. It's a, a wonderful experience of a different kind. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's more fun doing the show with me, though. But I, I mean, it's it's whatever. It's personal preference. Like, you'd be like, yeah, I like doing shows with Josh. But yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's whatever. I mean, he, he'll be out there. He'll be out there. He's going to hawk for likes all show. And then and then he'll be telling people like, oh, look, people like me more because they liked they liked my video X amount of times. But yeah. it's it's all it's only because he's he's over there selling out, trying to ask everybody for likes. But what's really important is that you subscribe to the YouTube channel because mm-hmm. That's that's what the boss men really like is they like to see that people did shows and people subscribe to the YouTube channel after. So, yeah, likes are nice, but also subscribe because that's when you can find out when we're going live for live before lock and all the other stuff that's on the channel, like the golf show that's also coming up later that you mentioned. Yeah, Lafay tells you all the time, folks, we're making the push to 50,000 subscribers on YouTube, sitting at uh, 46.8 right now. So absolutely, while we appreciate the likes, great for the algorithm and all that good stuff, hit that subscribe button and uh, let's get there by the end end of the NBA season. I know we can. Go to the YouTube page if you're uh, watching anywhere else. I'm not sure where that would be, but be with us here on YouTube and uh, smash that like button, hit the subscribe button, all the good stuff. But for Greg, for our producer, Jordan, for Jason Tatum, who is elite, I am Adam Kaufman. Thanks for being with us and uh, enjoy the programming the rest of the day.